0: Welcome to the Fearless Women Podcast. We're inspiring conversations for the unafraid. I'm Janice McDonald, founder of the Beacon Agency, author and global champion for women. Why am I making this show? Because I want to share the inspiring stories of women leaders in business, arts and culture, politics and more with all of you. Hear how they've chosen to go forward and be bold and make the world a better place, even when it wasn't easy to do. Subscribe now, wherever you find podcasts. Hey, everybody, I'm Janice McDonald. Welcome to the Fearless Women podcast. On the show today, Victoria Pelche. She's vice president and senior partner at IBM. Big title at a big company, and she's going to tell us all about that and so much more. Welcome to the show, Victoria.
1: Thank you. Glad to be here.
0: And of course, thank you and welcome to our listeners from around the world, including Hong Kong. Ireland, USA, UK, and so many more countries, we want our community to grow. Please tell your friends and follow us on Instagram. Thanks also to our amazing sponsors, 30% Club Canada, ADGA, and BDC. Fearless, by definition, is being unafraid, or at least bold. Victoria, what's the last thing you've done that has really kind of scared you?
1: The last thing. Well, I live by the motto "no excuses." Mm. Uh, you know, being unstoppable. So there's few things that I say that scare me. However, you know, I joined IBM just a little over a year ago, and I'll say that was a fairly big leap for me. I had some, you know, different opportunities at the time, and I decided to join while we were undergoing what Ginny, our CEO, refers to as chapter two, right, Mm -hmm. an evolution. And that was a really big part of why I wanted to be part of IBM, to be part of the transformation and where we move forward. You know, but it meant I was coming in from a career of being a business-to-business, business, services, and technology leader to a significantly greater focus on technology as the enabler and upfront. And I will tell you, my first probably six to eight weeks on the job, I left with a headache most days just <laughs> from the sheer volume of what I was needing to absorb every day. So that was a fairly bold move for me uh, from having left a comfort zone of operating for four years in another organization and um, and also running a number of other companies from an investment standpoint as well.
0: Yeah. So favorite saying or mantra aside from no excuses, is there anything else that you, if no excuses doesn't work, do you turn to something else?
1: (laughs) Yes. One that I'm going to say I espouse profusely, which is you don't ask, you don't get. However, it's come to bite me in the butt in that my daughter has got that one hands down now. So ask, ask, ask all the time on the home front.
0: Well, that's actually such a great one, because if you don't ask, you're absolutely right. You're already where you were with nothing. (laughs) So I love that. You got to go for it. So what's something you wish you knew earlier in your career?
1: You know, I wore two different faces for a long time. That which I demonstrated at work and those... Um, that I had outside of the office, you know, a, a mask, if you will, you know, I thought that the two needed to be very separate uh, and distinct, both in terms of how I thought of my network and how I engaged and how vulnerable I'll, you know, from, from talking about Brene Brown and kind of that notion of being vulnerable and transparent and bringing my authentic self. Mm-hmm. So there was a very distinctness um, in whom I appeared to be um, in one situation versus another. And I learned a number of years later that I needed to completely do away with that train of thought. right? I needed to bring my whole self in every environment, in every situation. Of course, messages, you know, were different depending on the audience. But, you know, the Victoria that you see that sits in the office versus, you know, speaking on stage or in a hockey arena with my kids, you get the same version of me uh, and my whole self. And that's how I also, you know, started to change the way I approach the relationships I had in business as well, you know, from a a place of generosity and not greed Mm -hmm. uh, and understanding more deeply what drove people. You know, I, in my early 20s, fell down on that regard. And I think I could have led a much fuller, certainly professional life at that point, had I learned that that was something that probably came closer to me in my thirties.
0: And what was the tipping point? What, what opened your eyes and, and uh, allowed you to really consider your whole self uh, everywhere?
1: Two things that happened within a combination of uh, a number of months. So, you know, my career has been built on being known as a transformational leader. I've been through 18 Mergers, acquisitions, joint ventures, divestitures, et cetera. 18. Yes. 18. 18.
0: Like, that's (laughs) incredible. That's a lot of lessons learned. You're going to be telling us all kinds of insights. Yes. Wow.
1: (laughs) So, all of these um, changes within business and different environments required a significant amount of uh, reorganization, synergy, you know, cost takeout, et cetera. And so I got fairly adept, although I wouldn't say I loved it at going through these reorganizations. And I learned at one point that I had a nickname, which was the Iron Maiden. (laughs) So I'm not going to (laughs) say, you know, I was happy with that Mm -hmm. nickname, but Mm -hmm. it didn't actually change the way I operated, the way I behaved, Mm -hmm. acted, spoke at that point. Mm But it was about two months later, I came into work one day, and one of my colleagues asked what I had done on the weekend. And I said, Oh, you know, I'd watched whatever the latest movie was. I don't even remember what it was at this point. And I said, I bawled my eyes out. And she turned and she looked at me with like complete shock and surprise and said, Victoria, I thought you'd be the type of person who laughed at people who cried at movies. Yeah. And that crushed me. I realized that I wasn't bringing my whole self. You know, my my best friend had nicknamed me a long time ago, Turtle. Uh, and that's because I've got this very tough exterior. A lot comes from youth and some of the circumstances and experiences I've had. But the fact is, I'm a marshmallow on the inside. Mm-hmm. And if my colleagues didn't know that about me and that I came to the decisions, I came not because I was driven purely from a business perspective, but I also cared deeply about those that I needed to make some of those difficult decisions and have those difficult conversations with. That is not whom I wanted to be known for and known as, you know, from an industry perspective and within our business. So the combination of those two things for me is what was the tipping point, what caused me to realize I needed to change the way in which I showed up at work every day and to become the type of leader I thought I was. I needed to change drastically. So that was a moment for me where I needed to stand very clearly in front of the mirror and say, I need to do things differently.
0: And what did you actually do differently?
1: I, one of my other mantras would be, you know, around getting, you know, comfortable with the discomfort. Mm -hmm. So it was not natural for me to do things. I was all business all the time, hop into a meeting and jump right into, you know, whatever the agenda was for that meeting versus getting to, you know, know deeply those that I, that I worked with, right. What motivates them? What drives them? What's their history and past and what do they bring to the office every day that will influence their decisions? So it was investing in time. You know, I was, you know, so concerned with getting through that 30 or 60 minute meeting. uh, So I, I needed to change that number one. Number two, I started to engage much more openly in terms of the relationships I had from a place of, Generosity and not greed, right? The, it, the, I'm not a spiritual person, but the whole notion of karma and that, you know, good will come around to those who do good. Uh, so that's been a really big way in which I've re engineered the way I operate. You know, part of my brand would now be known about being a networker and connector of p- people for no other reason than it's the right thing to do for them and it will create great opportunities. At some point, that might create some kind of a win or payoff for me, but that's no longer why I initiate those or why I have conversations. You know, I went from that, you know, the the mask I wore, steely faced, the hard exterior of a turtle to now, you know, regularly engaging probably to, you know, the dismay of my my husband and son in particular who are a little bit more shy and and look inwardly to like initiating conversations with strangers on the subway or in an elevator. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes. This is really inspiring and I think will be so helpful for so many other people to know. That's a strong name when you're called an Iron Maiden at work to really be able to move to a, a whole different leadership style. That's pretty inspiring.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It, uh, I'm not going to say it was easy and it took a number of years to, you know, t- to make that change. But once you've got awareness around it and you're committed to it daily, it you can change.
0: So let's talk about CEO, as, since we're talking about generosity and giving and sharing and networking and all of that stuff. It's an organization we both love, and we're both fangirls of uh, Vicki Saunders. She was on the podcast early on. So why did you get involved, Victoria, and, and what's your pitch for others to join?
1: So I got involved through a good, a good friend of mine who invited me out to um, come to one of the events. Beth Wilson, she's now the CEO of Denton's, came out and there was no question after I heard Vicki pitch to the group around radical generosity is what she talks about, right? So mm-hmm. funding female-led ventures who get 4% of venture capital. The the sheer diversity of thought and experience that women bring to the table, first and foremost, I wanted to support them. We need to create a culture and environment in which we're supporting others, and women in particular, number one. Number two, when I talked earlier about the relationships I build with people, this for me was a phenomenal way to expand with other like-minded individuals, not only to support, you know, Female-led ventures, but also to support one another. You know, so one of the biggest, you know, pitches, and I've hosted many events now, and I'm a huge advocate. And I tell Vicky and the team to put me on stage any time they need, uh, is to go out and say, "Look, like this is a." In- incredible network of women right much like in any business people do business with people they like and they trust and they want to do business with and this is a, an incredible network that's now global where we can just have such a reach out to one another and help even in our own businesses not just for the ventures but you know each of us bring something different to the table whether it be you know in my case these 18 you know acquisitions mergers ventures like talk about those experiences talk about personal branding Networking, but I need support in a number of other areas that are not my core competencies. And we've just got this amazing network of what she calls activators—these phenomenal women in the network who want to support one another.
0: Yeah, she's doing such amazing work. And for anybody who's interested, CEO, go check it out because it's uh, it's a way to change the world for women entrepreneurs. And as you said, connect and network and and hang out with uh, other great babes. So women in tech. It's another shared passion. Why do we need to get it right, Victoria?
1: I mentioned earlier about the diversity of thought, experience, the way in which we approach. Innovation, you know, to our clients, you know, I, I I come in and I think IBM set an incredible tone for that. I mean, it's wonderful that we have a female CEO and Ginny Rametti sets so a great example. You look at her leadership team from a Canadian perspective. Eamon, our Canadian president also has a very diverse slate at his table, which I think is critically important. When I look at going out to, you know, meet with clients, you know, they're more and more, it's about looking at, you know, how do they, you know, what problems are we solving for, right? It isn't about selling a product or a service, a widget, right? The, you know, the notion in which I come at it, and I believe many women, you know, are coming at it is from a place of, you know, how are we solving for problems as mothers, as sisters, as wives, you know, in our personal lives, we do that every day, you know, and so we bring that with a different flavor into the technology space. And I think that's critically important. It's one of the reasons I actually chose to join IBM, you know, was, you know, our commitment around diversity and inclusion. And I'm happily a part of a number of our, our BRG groups internally to drive that and the advancement of women within our organization.
0: And what's a BRG group?
1: Sorry, business resource group that would support a number of different groups within. So whether that be our LGBT community, whether it be women, whether it be different cultural or ethnic backgrounds, whatnot.
0: So you've got a lot going on between CEO, your job, you're a mother and, uh, and on and on and on. How do you manage all of your competing demands on your time? Any advice?
1: A number of things. So first of all, I believe that where there is conviction, there is capacity. So people ask me that same question all the time, Janet, how do you fit it all in? I sit on a number of boards. I'm heavily involved in my own personal fitness and my children's sports activities. You know, so for me, you know, you know, where, again, where there's conviction, there is capacity. So number one, number two, I, unfortunately I live and die by my calendar. So my phone is rarely very far from outside of my hand. (laughs) Uh, And the, the next thing would be around boundaries, you know, so I've learned, you know, over the years, my first executive role was at 24 when I was only, you know, a brand new mother uh, at that point. So I needed to figure out how I was going to fit it all in there. So I got very good with boundaries. Uh, you know, I block my calendar, for example, until from 7 to 9 a.m. I realized People were uh, very quickly once I joined the organization trying to book me for meetings. That is my sacred time. I get up at 5 a.m. and I work out in the morning and I go home and have a shower and hop on the subway and come to work. Depending on that, I might not get in, you know, but prior to 830. So that's my Zen time for me. So that's blocked out. You know, I also block my calendar from, you know, five o'clock onwards and by exception only will I take those because it's important to me to have dinner with my family or I might be at a a networking or a work business dinner, et cetera. So I block those. I think it's really important. And then the last thing I would say is you actually need to learn when to say no. And for me, no is something I'll say quite quickly to the things that bring no value to me personally, to my professional life. And now that's not always possible. I get it. So some things like, you know, doing my laundry and cleaning my home brings me no personal joy or value. So to the extent that people can, I also say for, you know, outsource, Mm -hmm. right? So create those boundaries for yourself, lock the things that are really important to you into your calendar and live by them and say no to the things that don't bring value and the things that still must be done. Find a way if possible to outsource or a way to make it, you know, much more efficient at doing those things.
0: So take us back to your 10-year-old self. What was that girl like? Where did you live? What were you into?
1: So I grew up in Calgary, an uh, only child. Uh, I'm ado- adopted. And uh, that girl was very different from the woman that you talk to today and you would see How today. So? Uh, very shy and introverted. I grew into the extrovert that I am today. You know, I was, um, I still shared passion around sports and fitness. So I played volleyball. I played basketball. I was forever riding my bike, uh, but I was also a bit of a nerd, you know. So I, you know, voracious reader uh, and spent a lot of my alone time uh, doing that. My mom worked for Music Express, which is or was kind of like the, I'm going to say, the Canadian version of the Rolling Stone magazine and was heavily involved in that. So music became a big passion. So she and I would listen to that uh, all the time. You know, but I was a very silent observer of the world at that point. And to my earlier messaging around sort of how engaging with others and what that brings into my life in terms of these, you know, very real and authentic um, relationships, that's not who I was. So, you know, tall, lanky, you know, geeky, but still sporty introvert was who I was at 10.
0: And if, and an avid reader. So are you, do you still make time to read? Is that uh, something you do with conviction these days?
1: To the extent that I can, yes. But I will tell you, there's ways I get at that information, you know, in a very different way now. One, I love the physicality of a book, the way it smells, but I'm a near-speed reader. So, you know, when I go on vacation, I've moved to Kindle now. Like, Mm -hmm. that's just the way it is. I'm not carrying five or six books with me. So uh, I'll catch up a lot on the the more pleasurable reading uh, while I'm on vacation, you know, with an e-reader, number one. Uh, Number two, Summary.com, there's an app you know, sound view, I've got that. And you can quickly look, particularly for business books, you can get these amazing summaries that, you know, I can read one, maybe two on the subway down to, you know, the office and learn a lot from that. Potentially, I'll want to learn more and then I'll go and read the full book. But that's been a great way. And then the the other way is certainly with podcasts, much like yours, Mm -hmm. you know, that uh, I spend a lot of time both in combination. I alternate between music and podcasts at the gym and also on my commute time.
0: Yeah, that's so great. Uh, summary.com is amazing. And you're just chock full of excellent advice. Really inspiring. So final question. What's your dream, Victoria, for Canada?
1: So I have lived and worked in each of Canada and the U.S. And I enjoy both places greatly. But I will tell you, I'm a very proud Canadian. And particularly as I sit and I look, uh, you know, at, you know, events that have transpired and how the world and, you know, the economy's changing around, you know, I continue to be more and more proud of living in a country that is so incredibly inclusive, right. And opening, open arms and welcoming, you know, but my wish would be that we continue to remain fervent around that as a differentiator on the, in the global environment and how we're, how we're known number one, but two, my wish is actually for us to be a little bit more bold around um, that leadership position, right? We're generally known as a more humble, uh, sometimes self-deprecating culture. Uh, And my wish would be for us to, to own our greatness a little more so.
0: That's a beautiful dream for Canada. Thank you so much for sharing it with us, Victoria. It's been an absolute delight to have Victoria Pelche, Vice President, Senior Partner at IBM on the Fearless Women podcast today. Thank you so much, Victoria.
1: Thank you for having me. I love the podcast. I'm very happy to be here.
0: Thanks for listening. We want our community to grow. Tell your friends, follow us on Instagram and sign up for our newsletter at fearlesswomenpodcast.com to get the early scoop. Subscribe in Apple Podcasts or in your favorite app. And if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating. I'm Janice McDonald. Stay fearless. Thank you to the 30% Club Canada for your support of the Fearless Women podcast. The 30% Club believes that gender balance on boards and in senior management not only encourages better leadership and governance, but diversity further contributes to better all-around board performance, and ultimately increased corporate performance for both companies and their shareholders. Want to learn more? Visit their website, 30percentclub.org, and select the Canada chapter to find out about membership, supporters, and key resources. Thank you to BDC, the bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs, for your support of the Fearless Women podcast. We love smart companies that want to amplify women's voices. For more information, go to bdc.ca slash women.